Welcome to The Pickup. I'm Will Lewis, and today's guest is Deborah Monroe, who goes by Deb Monroe. Is that right? Yeah, I don't know why, but I never liked the name Deborah, <laughs> but it is my name. <laughs> well, welcome, Deb. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Thanks so much for the interview. And how are you today, Will? Doing well, thanks. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Now, you've been busy, very busy in your career. You've yes. performed thousands of TV and radio commercials and narrations. Mm -hmm. You've booked on popular animated projects like Dragon Ball Z and even spent some time as a broadcaster. Well, I just have to clarify, there's there's three Dragon Balls. There's Dragon Ball, uh -huh. Dragon Ball GT, and Dragon Ball Z. Now, we want to be Dragon Ball Z, but Dragon Ball Z never got brought to Canada. So we never had the opportunity to voice it. And the character that I specifically do wasn't in Z. It was in, so it's more for the little kids. Basically, Dragon Ball Z was for the adults and the older kids, and Dragon Ball was for the oh. younger ones. Yeah. You see, I've never gotten into Dragon Ball, so I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, my, that's a popular one, probably my now, most popular. <laughs> what's the Dragon Ball GT? Now, GT is for the adults as well, so it's them all grown up. Um, which is very okay. similar to Dragon Ball Z, but it's not the same characters. Um, basically, Dragon Ball GT is the characters from Dragon Ball grown up, and Dragon mm -hmm. Ball Z has different characters as well as some of those or original characters. Okay. Yeah. So did you voice the same character in Dragon Ball that you did in Dragon Ball Z uh, GT? Yes, I did, yeah. Oh, so you played the little you and the grown-up you. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, of course. So after all that, why don't you tell us, how did you get your start in voice acting? You know what? It's interesting because I always wanted to be an actor. I, I used to cry and probably still do. I cry at the award shows for whatever reason. I, I believe that all actors, not all, but most, are looking for appreciation in their lives. That's why they are drawn to acting. And I think for me, just them getting that notoriety for that moment and their 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 heartfelt speeches and stuff just always brought me to tears. And so I just watched TV so much. I was an only child, and I felt that TV was my sister and my brother, sometimes my dad, because I didn't have one at the time. And and mm -hmm. so I, I really lived inside that TV and always wanted to be in it. But then I became a mom at the age of 16 and realized I had to get a real job because acting wasn't going to pay for my way through being a mom. And my mom found an article for uh, a broadcasting course. And I was like, wow, I never thought of that. Hey, why don't, why not? What do you, what, you know, what better do I have to do? So I took the broadcasting course and I actually graduated um, uh, one of the top of my class. I got seven job offers out of school for a whopping $1,000 a month. And all of them you had to move away for the job. So I moved away from home at the age of, I guess, 19 is when I left and started my career. Um, but the on-air stuff wasn't as fun as I thought it would be. <laughs> mm -hmm. right. So I, um, I actually got fired at my job because... When you're in school doing broadcasting and you get to create your own show, I wrote my show, I wrote the commercials, I saw people walking by my window, I would voice the show to them, I would have lots of fun. When I got into the real world of on air, it was four white walls and, and no window into the world, and there was no internet yet, and there was phone calls, but that was for swap and shop. And, you know, so you didn't get the interaction you get now, so I was very uncomfortable. And I had my babysitter not show up on me twice in a row and within a week's time, and so I had to bring my two-year-old into the booth with me because you're live. You can't just call in sick. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was strike two. And then I was doing, uh, in Canada here, we have something 
uh, very popular called curling. And I was doing a curling event, which is very heavily contented with uh, advertising and specific timing and things like that. And I put the wrong commercial in at the wrong time and my mic was on and I said, oh shit. And I got fired. So <laughs> I've always wow. wanted to go back on air and go shit, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Because times have changed. I could, I could be on air now easily because of all the interaction we get. But I had a hard time not getting feedback. That was really hard for me. Mm-hmm. And that eventually launched me into, I always loved voicing scripts, though. Anything with a script, commercials I was really good at, and I enjoyed them. But when you're on air, that's just part of your salary package. There is no extra funding for it, and there really wasn't an industry that I knew of in commercials. And so eventually, when digital technology took over, uh, I got on board quite early and got my own home studio together and just started doing my own thing. Okay. Now, you mentioned that you graduated in the top of your class. Is yes. that right? Yes, I did. And what I did, I just major? found that out recently actually. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't now, know, but I guess I was one of the only persons who got job offers out of school. Now, what was your major again? Uh, well, now that would not be a degree, it would be a diploma. So, I was in community college for broadcasting. So, it, ah. it was it was all around we were we learned copywriting, we learned a little bit of engineering and then just on air and commercials, yeah. Okay, so what lessons from 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 you know those college years, both in and out of the classroom, do you think have helped you in your voiceover career? You know, it's interesting. It's a great question because there's two major things that in all the training I've taken since then for for voice acting and film and and the other kind of acting lessons that I've taken, um, no one ever taught me about the client. But in broadcasting, they taught you about the client first, client and breathing. So the two things that I really took from that were uh, learning breath control, which has become a major, major part of my career and has helped me in my singing aspect that I'm taking on now, and and really caring about the client. Because you hear so much of, you know, this is crap copy and, oh, they're not paying me enough. And, and don't get me wrong, I understand all those a- aspects, but... I really respect the fact that they're paying me to sit in my jammies at home and voice for them. I love the client. And there are some nasty clients out there, but I still love them. I love people in general. So I find the positive spin in that. So I'm really grateful for my broadcast training to help me understand the client's point of view instead of just my own. Mm -hmm. More business sort of uh, component than than the technical stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and how to be a good human being and respect what they're doing and not judge them, you know. Right. Now, can you talk to us a little bit about the process you go through today for finding and booking new projects? Sure. I mean, it, is it all done by your agent? I or? wish. <laughs> um, so I have I have a few agents. That's the nice thing about being an at-home online talent is that you do have the option to have several agents. And mm-hmm. um, they do give me substantial auditions. I would love to say that I book them all the time, but I don't. Um, I don't book as much through my agent as I would like. I book more through my local agents than I do my online agents. And it's frustrating because, you know, I, I think I'm good enough, but um, it's a big, big, vast pool of talent now that we're choosing from. And I'm going against the top in my field, period. So, you know, I still stand out. I still get shortlisted, but I don't always book through them as much. So if I was to rely on my agent for money, I'd be broke. Mm-hmm. And and so I was very fortunate that um, I've always been an aggressive. I, I'm a very 
nice, kind, aggressive person. <laughs> I, I don't believe in sitting around wishing for things. I make them happen, and that's how I based my career. So I didn't wait and ask permission. I always just looked and found. And so um, from the beginning of my career, I've always found my own way in, my own clients via you know, at the time when I started, it would have been in-person demo drop-offs or phone calls. And then eventually as internet grew, it became a lot of the pay-to-plays. And the mm-hmm. pay-to-plays, I was on board in the beginning of the pay-to-plays, so I had a real advantage point there because the competition was nowhere near as extreme. The rates were fairly decent because we weren't low-balling at that time. And mm-hmm. so it was a lot easier to book regular clients. And out of that, I drew, you know, 10 years worth of clients. And I didn't have to what I call schlep. Um, but I'm finding in the last little while, you get to a point where people don't realize, but a client will get saturated with your voice. They need to make changes. No matter how good you are, it has nothing to do with a personal thing about whether you're good or not. It's the fact that they've got to change with the times and they've got to revamp and rebrand. And so you'll lose long-term clients. You can't rely on any one client for life. So you should always be looking for the next step ahead. So I kind of got to a, a point where I just I I knew better, but I just, I was getting so much work all the time, I didn't have to ever look for it. People were finding me, but then I stopped doing the pay-to-plays. I stay on them more for my students' sake because I'm also a coach. Um, I stay on them more for their sake than I do my own, but I wasn't having to do that heavy audition schlepping. Now I'm finding I have to go back to that, so I've been auditioning again back on the pay-to-plays a little bit, and I'm very focused, so... If I know I want to pursue message on hold, I'm going to hit up every bloody message on hold company that exists. If I know I do really good on car commercials, I'm going to hit up every car car company I can find and find where the creative department is. So I go after the source that hires and and find a way to connect to them and, and find a way to get a relationship with them so that I can eventually start getting onto their roster or their radar for when they're hiring. Mm-hmm. Right. And you just did a really good job of answering our next question. (laughs) (laughs) I'll probably do that a lot. I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, no, no. It's not a problem at all. But I'm going to ask it because you may have some additional tidbits to throw in there. And the question is, you started your career doing corporate studio work. Is that right? Um, in, in other words, you were in someone else's studio. You were, yeah, you, you I was. My The start of my voice career, other than doing the commercial stuff on air, because um, I did that freelance for a little while, just in, in mm-hmm. local studios, $25 here, $25 there. Um, and the, um, the first job I got, interestingly enough, was a huge animation. So my first few jobs were actually animation in a, in a high-end studio doing mm-hmm. extremely high-end production where all of the talent were in one room in Canada. We call it prelay here in the States. They don't call it anything but animation. <laughs> um, so there's the ADR dubbing and looping, which is mm-hmm. anime that you usually matching voice flaps. And then there's the actual time when you're actually voicing it all together like a radio play. So I mm-hmm. was so blessed to have that as my first introduction to on air. After that, however, after the animations um, were in full full throttle and I was going, okay, I'm going to go back into voice. I want to do voice. I want to do voice. That's when I started. I found a message on hold company that was willing to offer me a guarantee of a hundred bucks a month so that I could do message on holds for them. So it was very low budget. But that $100 a month paid for my visa, which paid for my equipment. And I figured as long as I can justify the cost of my equipment, I can afford to do this and take the dip. So I did. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I started doing it at home. And you set up your home studio in, in 98, 1998. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So what 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 I want to I, I want you to sort of consider and share with us here is over your career. There's you know what significant changes have you seen in the industry that uh. Uh, and, and how have you dealt with them? And like I said, you've you've touched on a lot of it all already with how you deal with clients and mm-hmm. and all this sort of sort of sort of thing, but. I mean, can you talk a little bit more about that that big change that that Absolutely. occurred? Um, you know, it's it's really fascinating because I have worked with a lot of union talent. I'm non-union, and I've stayed that way on purpose. Um, mm-hmm. And I've talked with a lot of union talent, and they talk about the rates. The rates have changed. The rates have changed, and that and that's when I started. They were saying, you know, anyone who does this in the way we were doing it, they weren't doing it at home. They didn't have studios back then. That didn't exist. Hardly anybody, in fact, had it at home. When I started looking in into this, I found one guy on the internet who told me he had a studio and it cost him 12 grand. Wow. So I went from my studio, which was $6,000, which I thought was a steal of a deal at the time, to now I get students set up for a thousand bucks. So mm-hmm. we've, we've seen a huge change in rates all around, whether it's the cost of the equipment or whether it's the actual um, rate that you're getting for the job. The mm-hmm. biggest thing that's changed in since I started now, again, I consider myself a veteran of the online world, not the local market. And mm-hmm. there is a big difference. You've got your LA talent your New York talent, your Toronto, your Vancouver talent who've been doing this for 30 plus years and have done every animation you've ever watched because there was only a handful of talent doing them at the time. Mm-hmm. And you've heard the term probably that non-union meant you weren't talented. So the non-union world was a completely new phenomenon and, and that meant low budget. And that started changing. Like I book some jobs that are higher than what the union actually gets for that particular job. And then the exact reverse where I get much lower. So so that part has changed as well. And we now see a lot of clients going non-union because I I used to be a casting agent as well, and I've seen all the behind scenes of what the clients go through when they're taking on a a union production, for example. Mm -hmm. And the paperwork alone is, is a nightmare. Um, the rates can be a nightmare. They don't want to pay residuals anymore where you're getting paid out consistently every time this product is aired. Um, so they've done away with a lot of that stuff and now are veering, so many clients are veering now non-union. So we've mm-hmm. seen an increase in work for us at home. Um, but because there's so much competition now because of people like myself who started teaching, the competition is extremely uh, wide. And mm-hmm. therefore, we're seeing a lot of people fighting for rates. So they're lowballing as low as they can possibly go to get the job. So that is demeaning our industry yet again. So we already, as as my, my generation of voice talent, came in and we demeaned the industry in rates. Now we're seeing the next generation of voice talent and they're demeaning it yet again. And and that's scary because now we're seeing four dollars a finished minute from Europe and from India and places like this. And for them, when they make four dollars a day, that's a great wage. For us, that's not justifying the cost that we have when we're paying for what we never used to have to pay for education. You never used to have to train for this. You just kind of landed into it. Mm-hmm. Now you have to be trained and you have to have experience to get a good agent where that never used to be. Agents are saturated. So all around, it's affecting us a great deal. And the reason we charge what we do is because we don't work full time. We don't have a guaranteed salary. And we have to pay ourselves back for all what I consider the college degree that we put in, which is the equipment, the training, the demos, the marketing, the branding, the websites, you know, you have to be paid for that in $4 a finished minute is not going to do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
global competition has has really had an impact. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. And I respect it, it, but it's definitely changed the industry wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. So your work has received many notable awards, including the Gemini, Juno, and even more recently, you won for Best Female Commercial Demo at the inaugural Voice Arts Awards. Yes. Now, I just want to clarify, I voiced the Geminis and the Junos. Didn't win Geminis and Junos. That would be different. We don't really have... there. And, and, and you know what? It's, I'm kind of glad you worded it that way because there hasn't really been a lot of voice awards except for Audible, for audiobooks. So mm-hmm. that's the only place we've really seen a lot of, a lot of awards for our category. And so mm-hmm. we're now starting to see, because the industry is growing so much and getting now becoming a bit of a household name, whereas people used to say, you do what? What what do you do for a living? I never heard of such a thing. Now we're starting to hear of it because celebrities are making it more known. They're showing the behind the scenes stuff. So now we're starting to see awards. So I won an award back in 2008 for best female voice for one of the pay to play sites put on uh, a virtual award. And uh, it was a fantastic honor for me, and uh, I won for Best Female for that year. And now this newest award show, and they never maintained it. They did a couple years, and then it ended, and I don't know why. Now we have a new award show called Voice Arts Awards, which is put on by Savoa. And this is we're seeing a little bit of notoriety coming into these kind of awards. Like James Earl Jones was honored with Outstanding Achievement, Lifetime Achievement, and uh, I believe Kate uh, Winslet was up for an award. So we're actually seeing some celebrityism in this kind of a, a venue. And I was very blessed to be a part of the very first one and, and lucky enough to walk away with an actual win on my on my category for commercial reel. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. <laughs> Let's take a listen to it. Make today delicious with recipes that are easy to make. Something the whole family will love. It's the Sears One Day Sale. Take an extra 70% off selected summer fashions, appliances, jewelry, and more. How far will 19 cents worth of electricity take you? More than you ever imagined. You're born, you die. What happens in between is up to you. So I turned right construction, thought I'd be smart and get off the highway. No, detour. Then I went the wrong way, and that's when I got my period. So many new pets to choose from. You can collect them all. The Littlest Pet Shop. Each pet sold separately from Hasbro. Are you ready to enter a world of sewing perfection? A world where creativity meets technology. Hi, this. You, that. We need connection. A new revolution in technology is about to take hold. Hey there, big boy. Wanna play? Then get your money on the table and stop staring at my stack. Uh, honey, we don't need an RV. We need a yard to fit it in. Water brings things to life, including you. I'm just a twisted individual having a really good time. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And, you know, um, I believe a lot of the reason that that will win an award is not just because I'm uber talented or any of those things, which I I like to think I'm talented or what am I doing here? But... um, I was very crafty in the content. I was very crafty in the scripts that I chose. And I believe in it. your demos are entertaining, not just for work. They're, you have to entertain the people that are listening to them because they're saturated. They've listened to so many demos that they need to have something that perks up their ears. And and you, you may have heard before, 
before they you've got like the first four seconds to grab their attention in my particular demo what i wanted to do was entertain them so that's why there's so much humor in it but what you should walk away with from my demo is a seeing that there's variety in my in my abilities to bring out personalities but b that you know who i am after listening to it you get a glimpse into my persona (laughs) and i think that's the most important part yeah and you know just to Piggyback on that, a couple of things I noticed that each clip was about seven, eight seconds long at the most. Mm -hmm. And you had a variety of products, characters and branding, music and even transitions. I I caught different transitions between your clips. Yeah. And um, I mean, did I leave anything out? What 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 was your strategy for putting that uh, demo together? Um, You know, you want to be able to showcase that you want people to walk away going, was that you? Was that all you? That's one of the Mm -hmm. biggest comments, I think, or compliments you can get when you produce a demo. Different characters. Yeah. And and that's exactly how I look at them. It might be a commercial reel, but to me, they're all different characters. What I do with my commercial characters, though, is instead of giving them chipmunk teeth and funny voices, Mm -hmm. what I do with them is I give them different professions. So I've Mm -hmm. got my mom, who is my craft spot in the beginning. I've got got the more me, who's the girl who got her period during traffic. Uh, You know, so, uh, you find different personas. You've got the girl who's a teacher. You've got, you got the, the hockey mom. Hockey you player. got the hockey mom. Exactly. You've got the girl who's a sultry sex kitten. And for women, it's a lot different than men because men can go wherever they want to. With women, you have to be a more careful because if I go too sultry, 80% of the buying power is women. So I'm going to piss off a woman, and I can't do that. I have to keep it to a, a place that's approachable and non-threatening to their husbands, or they're going to say, no, you're not shopping there, because they assume that girl's going to be there. Oh. And it's just a natural insecurity in women. And women are also categorized to be the mom, the girl next door, the teacher, um, the sultry sex kitten. But for them to be the authoritarian, that one's more rare. And that's why you hear more men in the stronger commercials, because they don't look at women as being in charge, even though they are inside the doors. (laughs) Um, They don't look at it that way. They want them to have that persona still. So where I get to use my authoritarian style, which I'm very I feel I'm very strong in is my narration stuff because the narration you are the expert in commercial you experience the product you've experienced the 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 style the life the you're in the moment of it as opposed to you're in charge of it so if I can sort of paraphrase here maybe commercial work is more visceral and yeah. uh, narration work is more I don't want to say cerebral, but I'm I'm at a loss for another word. Yeah, right now. It, it is. It's it, the thing about the narration versus the um, commercial. Predominantly, to me, is that the person has to be in charge because they have to grab your attention and maintain it. Mm-hmm. Whereas with commercials, we've got music and sound effects and visuals that help right. d- describe the story. With right. narration, there's just you. There's not usually a lot of um, audio enhancements that go with the narration. Therefore, and and another thing that I look at with with narration, I try to use myself sides a little bit depending on what the project is if I know I'm doing it for women's or for the you know the cat hauler 5,000 I know it's predominantly men listening to my my read and what mm-hmm. what works for men is sexuality that's what works for most men so if I add a little bit of playfulness in my read where it's 
borderline not threatening to the woman, but still engaging to her. The men want to know what I look like. Therefore, they're finally listening to the module they're supposed to be listening to. Because, I mean, let's face it, a lot of narration training modules and things like that, the people that are in there listening to it, they don't want to be there. They know the stuff. They don't want to take the homework. They don't want to do the test. They don't want to do any of that stuff. So you have to learn how to be still a storyteller, but be the expert at the same time. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So you have to sprinkle a little bit, as you mentioned, sprinkle a little sultriness. Exactly. on yeah. e-learning, because it, we're talking about e-learning narration. Yeah, and it, I won't always do that, but that's one of the choices I make. Make, Or I might add a little more conversational playfulness to it, or mm-hmm. I might get a little more serious, depending on what it is. Right. You know, I right. voice for Foff sewing machines, and it's a phenomenal visual. The visuals are incredible on it, and they wanted somewhat sultry or what I consider sci-fi. So it sounds like this, Foff. The creative experience. Now, who the heck would ever think you're going to go to that degree for a sewing machine? You'd think it'd be mom. But because of the visuals they paint with it, it's like it makes total sense. So it really does depend on the project at hand. But I always try to sprinkle it with something because you do have to stand out. But now you just mentioned that if you go too sultry, you know, the, the female demographic might get you know, a little put off by that. So how do you pull that off with the, sh- with, 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 so- with the sewing machine narration? <laughs> you'll, you'll, well, with the sewing machine one, I think more sci-fi than sultry, even though it comes across as sultry. When you see the visuals, it's, it's very powerful. It actually works really well. I, I, okay. I debated it. I was like, really? Are you sure? <laughs> I was positive they were so wrong. But the bottom line is you're a puppet on the string in here. Your mm-hmm. job is to do what you're told. Your yeah. job isn't to argue. Your job isn't to decide whether the writing is good or not. Your job is to make it happen. So you become the puppet on a string and you do what you're told. That doesn't mean you can't offer other options or make questions or anything like that. So I said, are you sure that's what you want? Yep, they did. I went with it. They were really happy when I saw the visuals put together. Oh, my gosh. You know, so it makes a huge difference. But I will tell you a trick that I use when I'm voicing Sultry. Mm-hmm. so that I don't piss off the women. Um, what I imagine, so let's say I'm I'm voicing for a truck and I'm going to use a little more sultry edge because if I just go rough, they're going to hire a man. They don't want a rough woman selling you a truck. Mm-hmm. They really right. don't. So I'm going to go a little more sultry for the man, but I imagine his wife sitting right beside him. <laughs> so okay. I, I direct my conversation to him in my sultry way, but I imagine her right there, so I'm flirting with her too, so it has a more safe place to be. Right. Interesting. Yeah. And I'll tell you, just as a side, uh, there was another spot I did way in the beginning of my career where um, they wanted it very flat. And for me, I was trained theater broadcast. So over Mm -hmm. the top was what I knew. I didn't know how to bring it down to a real film level. And they basically wanted more of a film level where you kind of throw it away. And the line was just swish, squish, and recycle your empty milk containers and show everyone you have a crush on Alberta. And I went into this nice smiley voice. And the guy's like, no, can you give me less? So I gave him less. And he's like, no, that's not enough. Give me less even again and again and again and again. And I was like so scared that I was going to lose this client that I decided to go really sarcastic. And I went like this, just swish, squish and recycle your empty milk containers and show everyone you have a crush on Alberta. And that's all I did. And he's like, perfect. And I'm like, no. (laughs) No, 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 no. You're not keeping that. And he's like, no, that's exactly what I want. And I argued it. I was like, no, that was not like there was nothing there. That's not the right spot. But when it came to the visuals, so this is where the element of TV versus radio is completely different world. Mm -hmm. When it became to the visuals, oh, my gosh, one of the best commercials to date that I've ever done. 
Really? Yeah. So I learned how to stop questioning the clients early in my career and just mm-hmm. trust that it doesn't matter whether they're right or not anyway, but I need to trust that they know what they want for their spot and, and, and they're allowed. And that makes because it they see, Yeah, they see all the, the puzzle pieces. Exactly. And Whereas, by the time they get to us, they're in a good mood because they've done all the visuals already. Mm-hmm, so right. they do know what they're talking about because they have that, that, that background in it. Right. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, Deb, if you're not having a whole lot of fun yet, hold <laughs> on to your boots because we've got a free association game for you. Oh, okay. That, that we want to play. So awesome. I'm going to give you a word or phrase and we want you to respond as quickly as possible. We'll go through these uh, pretty briskly. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Take a deep breath. <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> I always enjoy... Uh, people. I can't stand it when... People don't tell the truth. One of my favorite movies of all time is... Pirates of the Caribbean. Which version? The first one. I'd rather prepare a tax return than have to... (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, Uh, work on a full-time job. (laughs) (laughs) The one moment I wish I could relive is... Oh, probably my young, young childhood as a teen runaway. (laughs) One person from my past who I wish I was still friends with is... Uh, You know, when I was a teen runaway, there was a fellow who, um, his name is Todd, and he saved my life out here in Toronto. I ran away to Toronto, and I've never been able to find him since. Hmm. He was another runaway? No, he wasn't. He was just uh, happened to be at a, he was hosting a party that I went and hung out at and fell asleep for three days at his house being a little too wasted. And he just (laughs) took me in like a brother. He was, he was amazing. And I just would always, I've always wanted to thank him. Todd, if you're out there, that's for (laughs) you. Yeah, absolutely. If I could no longer be a voice actor, I would be... A talk show host for sure. One thing I know today that I wish I'd known 10 years ago is... How to tell the truth. Oh, 10 years ago? 10 years ago. Okay, hang on. I got to rechange that one. Um, how, how, to, how to have had uh, true love. 10 years ago. And the one you mentioned earlier was from how long ago? Oh, that'd be from my teen years. Okay. okay. Yeah. My children would be surprised to know that I... Wow. There's almost nothing they don't know about me. Um, wow. I don't know that there's anything that they don't know about me. I'm the most open book that exists. Did they know that you fell asleep for three days at a party when you were a teenager? Yes, they know everything. <laughs> like, there is nothing they don't know. <laughs> okay, so we'll pass on that one. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I don't, I don't know that there's anything they don't know. Open book. Yeah, 100%. If... If, 3,000 years into the future, one of your descendants discovered a 30-second segment of this interview, which part would you want it to be? Hmm. Um, probably the part of my journey, like how I kind of got here. I think it's a fascinating story and, and intriguing. Okay. Very good. That was great. Yeah. And about truth. (laughs) Yeah, all about truth. My common denominator. (laughs) 
Okay, so tell us about the one project you're working on right now that is the most exciting to you. Um, you know what? It's 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 complete right now, but I'm really excited to see it. I haven't been able to see the product yet, which is a talking mirror. It's a Disney or it's it's a it's a talking princess mirror. It's actually not Disney, but it's the Disney princesses. It's amazing they can actually use the princesses and not be Disney. It blows me away. Um, but this is a talking mirror that little girls will press, and the mirror will talk back to you, and it's my voice. I'm so excited to see. I've always wanted really? to be a a talking toy. So the fact that it's for little kids is just even better for me. Now, how many phrases does the mirror have? Oh, my gosh. Well, several hundreds because I've voiced it over five different sessions. And the original wow. session was like 300 phrases. So there's there's probably at least 500 phrases. Wow. Yeah, I know. They, they're giving me, as part of my contract, I wrote in that I wanted five uh, products so that I could give mm-hmm. it away to my assistant's daughter and to my granddaughter and to my girlfriend's daughter and one for myself. And I can't remember who the other one was for now. Well, you know, their moms across Canada are stocking up on batteries right now, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much for joining us, Deb. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Will. It's been great. Thank you so much for being here. Yes. Now, how can people follow your work? Um, the best way is obviously on my website, which is debsvoice.com, D-E-B-S-V-O-I-C-E.com. Um, there, we also have a um, regular newsletter that we put out, which I think is important because I do a lot of giveaways and stuff like that on there as well as any specials that I have. But it's a way to keep informed. I write articles regularly. I'm doing a lot of video podcasts now and blogs. I have a bit of a su- subscription service and some products and stuff for that as far as the coaching stuff goes. Um, but all my uh, work that I do uh, auditorially, I don't promote it a lot. I don't know why. Uh, you know, we're, I'm doing my best to try and remember to do that on my websites because I forget people want to know. I just, I'm not really a braggart. I'm more market because of my coaching than because I want everybody to know what I'm doing or not doing. But there's certain projects that I get really proud of that I will have my assistant post on my social media accounts and stuff like that. So predominantly, I would say my website just so that it's regular. <laughs> okay. And... As a follow-up there, uh, can for those who might be interested in your coaching class yes. online, what can you tell them? Um, well, I have, uh, first of all, I want you to know that um, picking a coach is, is a very uh, important task and you need to find someone who truly cares about your results and can help you go forward. Um, I don't have a package plan, but I do have an incentive plan where I try to give you a discount because I find a lot of people will see me once every six months or so. And I feel as a, as a talent, I feel I'm wasting your money because you're, you're just getting repeated the same information I gave you six months ago, unless you're already a pro out there and just getting brush ups. That's different. Um, So what I created was what I call a six-pack. And once you're on my six-pack plan, you're always on my discounted rate. It was just an incentive to give you um, an amount of sessions so that you have to see me at a certain amount of time. So I demand that you see me at least once a month. I prefer once a week, once every two weeks, once every three weeks, but regimented to your your routine. The nice thing is I am able to teach via Skype and via phone. No matter where you live in the country, I have students all over the world. Uh, I record everything so that you're able to listen back and I think that's the most important thing you'll learn more in uh, the playback than you will in the hour with me uh, hearing yourself do the things you do um, mm-hmm. I have a lot of very successful students that are really working and and I'm, I'm starting to see some amazing success stories so 
I feel I'm able to make a big impact in a really short amount of time. And I am not a coach who wants to milk you for your money because the faster you grow, the better I look. And that's the way I look at it. And I wouldn't want someone to milk me for my money. I try to be a talent first and be the coach that I would want as a talent. So I offer you nothing but 100% honesty, um, very uh, uh, forward feedback. So you have to have tough skin to work with me. Um, but if you can't handle me, you're not going to be able to handle six directors telling you one thing or another in, in a session either. So I, I like my style personally, and I'm not a rehearsed type of coach. I don't have this list of things I go through. I try to pull out your personality because that's what we're ultimately selling. So I love doing the demos. I love directing them. I love helping write them. And I love allowing your personality to shine through instead of mine. And I think that's a very important aspect when you're looking for a coach. Mm -hmm. So you do coaching, you do demos. Do you do any online workshops, uh, group uh, yeah. sessions? Yeah, I do. And actually... Um, I have a new thing that I'm doing, which I'm really excited about. Where we moved here, we bought a really nice acreage, and it's just outside of Toronto. It's not in Toronto. And um, we held our first workshop retreat here. So we've built a pool with a big waterfall where we're going to get married under, my, my love of my life and I. And so I have the most beautiful home that can accommodate a lot of people. So it's much like a bed and breakfast retreat. So I have created a very tranquil oasis, including a big theater, um, my band plays for you. Uh, you get private one-on-one. -on -one, so I have both the workshop venue aspect of it in person as well as one-on-one -on -one workshops. So personal workshops with just me for a weekend um, and things like that. And then, again, I do some online webinars and things like that. So, yes, I do. Okay, wow. Yeah, I'm Thanks. really excited about that because I I, I held a, a voiceover cruise uh, several years ago, and I, mm -hmm. I I would be doing another one right now, except just there's a lot of circumstances why I'm not. But eventually, I'm going to start bringing them back in. So in the meantime, when I can't do those, I'm trying to kind of make a, the same kind of um, environment here where it's a tranquil holiday feeling, but you get me and, and possibly other coaches as well with me. So... You have our personal time as well as our professional time. I think that's very important that you enjoy your coaches, that you have a personal connection with them, and that you get some relaxing time in between, too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Deb, can you play us out with something? Sure. <laughs> Usually the next thing that comes out of our guest's mouth is, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very willing participant. <laughs> We usually have our guests play out the show with some exhibition of their talent, okay. um, of their voice talent, uh, you know, some more sugar for the ear. Okay, sure. So it could be anything like a narration, a demo, a song, anything you'd like to do. Okay, well, without my band here, I don't want to take away their thunder, so I won't sing, but how about I give you a character? <laughs> All right, set up this character for us. Okay, so this is one of my favorite go-to characters. Um, I always try to work on having a little boy or a little kid voice because I think they're the most popular in cartoons, and um, I haven't found a lead role for him or her yet, but uh, you can kind of take it whichever way you want. But I, in my head, it's a boy, and I took it after um, Chucky off of the Rugrats. It's a kind of a little bit of Bart and a little bit of Chucky all combined. <laughs> All right, sounds great. Take it away. Okay, I'm really excited to be on your show, Will, and I can't thank you enough for allowing me to play in your playground. I've had so much fun. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, what? What's your name again? 
Uh, my name's Chucky, because I couldn't think of anything better. <laughs> Chucky, nice to meet you. Who's your favorite team? Oh, I hate sports, man! Oh, I have to say Calgary Flames, because, like, that's where I grew up, and they would kill me if I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, very nice to meet you, Chuck. Nice to meet you, too, Will. <laughs> Till next time, Chuck. Okay.